Welcome back to the Monthly Alts Pulse. I'm Michael Sidgmore, founder and partner of Broadhaven Ventures and the founder of the Altco's Mainstream Podcast. I'm here with Lawrence Calcano, chairman and CEO of iCapital. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Michael. Despite the fact that we're live from the studio in New York, we've been traveling a lot. So would love to discuss just what's been going on in the world of alts, number one, but number two, how alts is viewed around the world. Good to be with you as always. I have been on the road a lot. I think I've been in my own bed five times since Labor Day. It's been crazy, but very, very exciting. I'd say the world's interest, if you will, in alts is just really growing. Having been to Asia, Europe, Latin America, just in the last month, there is a massive amount of interest on the point of advisors finding an opportunity to provide alternative investments to their clients. I think that's going to continue to grow, and they're asking, in my opinion, all the right questions around education, access, technology, automation, etc. So we're super excited and bullish about that. Are advisors and clients in different parts of the world interested in different alts products, types of funds, brands versus more merging managers than in other parts of the world like the US where iCapital obviously started? I would say, first of all, there are very big differences region to region, much of which is related to regulatory differences. But let's just put that aside and get to the question of managers. I would say that outside the US, there's certainly, and I think this is true in parts of the US as well, that there's a great interest in brands, particularly if you're newer to an asset class, it's sort of human nature to gravitate towards those brands that you've heard. Certainly we see in the United States, as people have allocated more significantly to the asset class, they're very interested in a much broader set of managers as well. And I would expect that we'll see that outside the US. We certainly see it with individuals who've been more engaged in alts over time. But certainly the big brands do resonate outside the United States. And part of the reason for that is the big brands have already made big investments in going global. Some of our largest manager partners have been working all of the continents, have people in the region, are talking about products, and I think most of them are very sensitive to the importance of education and really helping the advisors that they're talking to understand the asset class and how it might fit into their clients' portfolios. You talk about education being really important. That's obviously been a huge feature of the rise of alts in the US, educating the advisor, the independent channel, as the space has evolved, just wealth management more broadly. How would you characterize the differences between some of the wealth management spaces in other parts of the world? Are the market structures very similar or different? And then how does that impact how alts are, are bought or sold? As I mentioned earlier, there are regulatory differences, obviously, in all the countries, and you find that there are limitations in some countries relative to others. I'd say right now there's actually, I don't want to say a loosening, but there's, I think, an appreciation of the role that alts can play in portfolios. People are trying to make sure that they're operating certainly within all of the restrictions that they might have, but they're also really focused on making sure that they're well-positioned to make alts available to clients. And, and I would say a lot of what we see, and I've, I've talked about this on prior shows that we've been together on, people are focused on infrastructure as much as product. And I think to the extent that they have a perspective that alts will play a really important part in client portfolios, 
almost at the start, they want to make sure, yes, that they have great access, and we've talked a lot about the importance of access in the past, but that they have an infrastructure that will allow them to really scale the business. So from an advisor experience perspective, it's a good experience, as, as I think is very similar all over the world. If the experience is bad for an advisor, they don't engage. So we're seeing a great interest in the advisor experience, the tools and technologies to help the advisor really serve their clients well, and then the tools to be able to help the advisor serve that client over the duration of the investment in well beyond the point of subscription. You've obviously been all over the world meeting with GPs and LPs, yep. seeing how they want to interact with alts and with various structures, right? Different parts of the world may have to structure things differently. That matters both GP and LP. How do you think about that at a high level and what does that mean sure. different regions of the world? So it's very different. People in different regions can invest in, in different types of structures. When we build funds in the US, we, we will often, if we believe there's international demand, we'll build a, a Cayman fund as well to service many parts of the world. Not in Europe though, the Cayman structures are not used in Europe. People invest typically through a luck structure, but there are all kinds of limits on who can buy that luck structure. The rules are all changing. I'd say if there's one thing that's true about this fact globally is that these rules are somewhat in flux. You're seeing them changing in Europe, you're seeing them changing in, in Japan and so forth. But there's also a phenomenon of investing through a nominee structure where people don't come in as individuals like Michael Sidgmore, they come in and they're anonymous in that investment vehicle. By the way, that requires a, a, a whole nother layer of technology to manage how people invest through a nominee structure, which we've actually built and had patented. We think that's a, a really exciting opportunity for people to have automation even when they're investing through a nominee structure. From that perspective, because that I think brings up a really interesting point around you have to regionalize the business yes. of iCapital. You probably also have certain demands or requirements from GPs in that perspective as well. How do you think about approaching that from both working with your customers, both GPs and LPs, but also just from building iCapital, the business in a region like Europe, as an example? It's a great question because there are a lot of differences. And even though we might have talked about a luck structure, in certain countries, there isn't even much demand there. So like in France, for example, we're going to be building local French feeders because that's how the largest part of that market wants to invest. There are other countries where it's critical that you build a local version of a feeder, not just a luck structure that you think can be pan-European or a Cayman structure, et cetera. Being regional and understanding the differences between each of the markets is really important. Just recently, we've announced several very large partnerships in Latin America with Unicorn, in Australia with NetWealth, in Israel with Altschuler, and throughout the different countries, we're continuing to build partnerships. We've obviously talked about all funds and have others coming. But you really need to be local in terms of how you serve these markets if you want to really provide the most assistance to the advisors. On that point, because you mentioned a few different types of partners, there's partners that are helping the independent wealth channel access alts, there are partners that are helping the private banking channel access yep. alts. What would you say are the biggest differences between the US wealth management market structure and how they interact with alts and with GPs versus internationally? Very, very different kind of region by region. You know, when we first started iCapital, the original focus was on independence. We felt the independent community had really grown 
some of that was sort of de novo startups, some of it were advisors leaving wirehouse platforms. And we felt like we could provide an alts platform to that independent channel. And as we grew, we realized the wirehouses had no technology. And while they didn't need our product access, we could be incredibly helpful to them in terms of scaling tech. So now we serve really all of the US wealth market, whether it's advisors at wires, IBDs, or RIAs. As, as we like to say, we serve advisors. How and where they want to practice is really their decision, but we serve advisors everywhere. And as you go through the markets all over the world, some of the markets are more bank-led and other parts of the world are more independent advisor-led. So how we think about partnerships is a function of, as we enter a market, where do we see the greatest need as a starting point? But I would say that overall, I think the independent movement is a global phenomenon and it continues. And so over time, just as we've said in the United States, we serve advisors and it's up to them to choose how and where they want to practice. You spent time in a number of different com yep. countries in Europe. You were obviously just in Latin America talking to 200 advisors from the region with Unicorn Growth Partners. You were in Asia. You talked about doing a partnership in Australia. What were some of the big takeaways from each of those trips? Well, first I'll repeat it because it's worth from earlier in the discussion. The interest in alts is just really high. People understand that to serve their clients well, they want to be able to have the tools and access to products to be able to do that. So I would say that is consistent on a global basis. The other thing that I think is really interesting is there is a great interest today in semi-liquid products. As, as people think about their client bases, the ability to offer products where there's a modicum of liquidity is quite interesting. And whether that's in credit, equity, real estate, et cetera, the interest is really high in those products. Private credit, though I, I would say still dominates the sort of product, the strategy set, people still think that there's a massive opportunity for the private credit markets. The interest rates, as we've talked about previously, float. That provides some hedging and some protection to the investors. But I would say that interest continues to grow on a global basis. I think we're obviously seeing GPs invest a lot in certain types of products because they feel that those are the right products for a certain moment in time, private credit being one of them, certainly. How much do you think that, as you think about some of these different regions of the world, that these are really kind of GP-led trends where GPs are like, hey, we're identifying this as a big trend, we think LPs will like this, or that it's more LPs are saying, we want these types of products, and then GPs, maybe US-based GPs are saying, we need to be in Europe because we can gather demand from European LPs in this strategy. I would say a couple of things. One, larger GPs have been global for a really long time. We, from the very start, knew that to serve this industry well, we'd have to be global. So we've been invested in the global market for quite a number of years, really very close to the beginning of iCapital. You think about where the GPs market, you think about where wealth managers have businesses in multiple jurisdictions. In my opinion, it's almost impossible to serve the industry well if you're not global and haven't made those investments. So that's really critical as we think about it. We continue to evolve there, continue to roll that out and invest in all the structural nuances, whether it's local or regional, the technology to support all that, quite critical. I want to touch on LADAM a little bit because I think it's fascinating yeah. that you're spending time there. This comes on the heels of 
a few years ago, BlackRock buying City Banamex's business. So you obviously see larger U.S. asset managers thinking about Latin America. There are some very large banks and private wealth units within Latin America as a region. Historically, though, at least from an anecdotal perspective, that you had a lot of LATAM clients wanting to invest into U.S. equities, whether it's listed equities or private equity. What are you seeing now at LATAM? Because you just met with 200 plus advisors yep. in the region who presumably are not necessarily just investing into global or US focused funds, but maybe they're investing in the region as well. In the early stages of these markets from an access standpoint, US managers do collect a very significant share of the, of the market demand. Um, and, and we're seeing that really in, in LATAM and we're seeing it in other markets as well. In the sort of earlier stages of adoption, it's more about the GPs finding really exciting opportunities to invest and then bringing those opportunities to the LPs. And I think that's probably how a lot of these markets are working today. As the buyers build their portfolios and get more sophisticated, and we certainly see this in certain parts of the world, they've got a very clear agenda as to what and where they think there's opportunity. And they're out looking for strategies from the big managers and from other managers that fit their view of the strategy. But I'd say more often than not, in the earlier stages of these markets, it's the GP offering products. Now, by the way, these GPs are smart. They know where there's investment opportunities and can potentially bring great returns to their, to their clients. Brings up an interesting question with a region like Latin America, which is maybe earlier on in its point of having access to private markets writ large for the, the wealth yep. channel. How much do you think iCapital is leading from the front or leading from behind in, the, in a market like Latin American? What I mean by that is how much is iCapital really opening up access to a market of LPs that GPs may have not spent time with because you've paved the road for them because yes. you have this platform, this partnership, the infrastructure's there versus, well, sure, GPs were in Latin America. Carlisle had a focus on Latin America, 100%. as did others for, for a number of years. But how much of this is you guys really leading the way and then unlocking that ability for GPs to say, hey, you know what, we can work with the Latin American high net worth consumer because there's now infrastructure that maybe wasn't there before. 100% right. The GPs, particularly the large GPs, have been in Latin America for quite a while. But those have been mostly institutional relationships. Where we are really building the roads are on the high net worth and the advisor side. That is where there's really a very significant amount of leading from the front, as you say, in terms of building that superhighway, that platform, to allow the managers who are already in region to serve this high net worth advisor portion of the market. And then at the same time, make it easy for managers who are not yet in the region to come to the region because the infrastructure is being built out for them to succeed. What would you say the most interesting thing that you learned from the meeting with 200 plus advisors in, in Latin America? How enthusiastic they are for getting access to alts. When we started this business in the US, I, and I remember wearing out shoe after shoe because we were literally having to talk about the role of alts, how alts can help your portfolios for your clients. And that was a narrative with the advisors. 
uh, certainly not every advisor, but for a large number of advisors. And at the same time, talking to GPs about how exciting an opportunity it was for them to bring their great products to the high net worth advisor market. A lot of evangelizing. We go down to Cabo and we invite all these advisors, some of whom actually flew 24 hours, three flights, lots of layover time to get to Cabo. And they're there because they believe these assets can play a really important role in their client's portfolio. It's not that they were, we're not talking about the role of alternatives and, and so forth, but people are engaging because they already understand that at some level and believe in it. And so it was just so exciting to see the work that the advisors had put into understanding the asset class. Certainly education is never done, but that was a, a really exciting surprise. Brings up a really interesting point which is oftentimes the emerging markets in any given space or asset class. I think we've seen this in fintech more broadly, particularly in consumer fintech, um, certainly in alts as well. People generally tend to think that the emerging markets tend to learn from the developed markets. I like to flip that question around though. What do you think, particularly given that you just mentioned a very fast follower, less time to ramp up to learn and understand alts with these advisors in a newer market? It took us a lot of time early on in the US market because it was a more nascent market. What do you think that the more well-developed alts markets, particularly from the, the LP or wealth side, can learn from a market that may be more nascent, but a fast follower like Latin America? Yeah, that's a great question. I, it's incredible to me how energetic and enthusiastic and how much work they've done. We built this business as a B2B business and we felt always and continue to feel even more strongly that really thoughtful advisors looking out for their clients' interest is gonna produce the best outcomes in terms of how people end that. And when I watch and see the enthusiasm of advisors who are newer perhaps to the asset class, the work they've done to date, certainly true. And the meetings we had in Cabo, incredible to see how much work they put into it. And the energy that they bring their questions and comments to the table. And it's like anything else in life. You build something and you think you've got all angles covered and then new people come to the table and they've got lots of really good ideas. And I think there's this great organic feedback loop that we're seeing. And I think hopefully providing a mechanism for that feedback loop to happen where GPs are listening to the needs of new advisors and they might have new product needs, product structure ideas, and how the GPs take that away and think about structuring products to really serve the specific needs of a given region. So it has been incredible to watch Latin America, but globally, all the different advisors across the world embracing the asset class and really being thoughtful about what do they need from platforms, from product providers, to provide the best solutions for their clients. Well, I think we can all learn from different cultures, different regions of the world when we think about things in a global perspective. I think that applies to alts, I think that applies outside of alts. Fascinating way to wrap up this podcast. We always end up in the same place, even if we've gone around the world though. <laughs> and that's today with this month's quote. I don't remember who said this. I, it was a French author, but the expression was, travel makes one more modest because you realize what a small part of the world you actually occupy. And, and I can tell you just on my recent trips, you, you realize what a small part of the world you occupy and what an incredibly large and interesting place the world is. I think fascinating both in the perspective of the alts world, but also just more broadly, I think we can learn so much from cross-pollination of interests 
cultures, et cetera. And that manifests itself in the world of investing. Investing has the ability to change markets, change regions, for, for better or for worse. Yep. But that understanding the global perspective, I think, is, is a fascinating and important way to think about things. So great way to wrap up this monthly Alt Pulse. Pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for coming on again. I'm Michael Sidgmore here with Lawrence Calcano. See you next time on the monthly Alt Pulse. Thank you.